into a bit of a teaching for about half an hour or so now, and then we're going to come back to singing um, and, and worship after that. And um, this is just a, another, we've just been doing a few one-off messages before we get into a new series. Um, most likely start a new series on prayer um, next month, thinking around having a month of prayer in, in February. Um, well, I shared this message last Sunday morning, and, and I thought this would be good to share um, here t- tonight as well, just on um, love. And, and particularly in the season that we're in as a, as a church, um, we've talked about being in a, in a season of transition and, and change, and, and there's, there's blessings and joys in that, but, but there, there's just challenges and struggles, and, and then um, when things change and when there's differences, it can, it can stir up all sorts of different emotions and, and things as well. And, and something that's really important in, in transition is that as a community, we, we define what's non-negotiable and what, what are the things we stand on. And one of the things that's so important in, in transition or difficult times is that we stand on the fact that loving each other is non-negotiable. Now that's something that, that is, a, is a baseline. This is what we're called to do as God's people. We're called to be people of love, people who love each other. And, and Freddie spoke awesome a couple of weeks ago on, on faith and God calls us to have faith, and we have an enemy who, who would like to tear down our faith and would like us to be people who don't believe and don't trust God. And in the same way, we have an enemy who would like to tear us apart and make us people who don't love, but people who fight or people who are divided or people who hate or who are distant. And actually, there's a need to stand and to recognize that actually this is non-negotiable, that we're people of love. But what I want to do tonight is, is go through a few verses just in 1 John um, it's an awesome letter, and, and it's been described even as like a poetic sermon. It, it sort of goes around in different ways, and, and this great, awesome language. And, and a big part of it is this idea of God as love, and the need as his people to be people of love. And what I want to bring tonight is, is a few encouragements about why that's important, why we to love, and as well a, a result of what that could achieve, and then maybe a bit of how, how we can do that. So kind of just like a basic sort of how can we be a community of love? And again, we're talking about massive topics though that we could talk about for ages. We're going to try and just go quick in half an hour. But um, so I might pray and then, then we'll have a look. So if you've got a Bible, you can follow along or it'll be up on the screen as well. So let's, let's pray. Father, we just thank you that, that you're at work in our midst, that, that you are a father and you're present and you've revealed yourself to us through Jesus and through your word by your spirit. And that even as a community, we're called to embody your presence and your love, and we just ask that you'd speak to us tonight by your Spirit, um, to our hearts, um, show us more of what you're like and how we can live um, in relationship with you and with each other, and we just pray this in your name, Lord. Amen. So the first thing that's hard, I suppose, in talking about love is that for us in Australia, in the English language, love is a word that just gets thrown around a lot. And you've probably heard people talk about this when, when they've ever done sermons on love, but it's a, it's a really important point that, that often what we, the way we use the love, word love, we use it in so many different ways, it's really confusing. Like I can say three different things. I can say I love Tam, I can say I love running, and everyone knows I love potatoes. And, and if you compare those three things, it's kind of a strange thing to say, right? Like comparing my wife to how much I love potatoes. Like, like it's, a bit, it's a bit confusing, right? And um, in, in, in the, the biblical language for love is, is more specific. Um, and, and often, especially of God's love, and in, in the love that we're going to talk about tonight, it's not, it can't really be translated directly to our word of love. It, the, the definition of love more in the Bible is, is not so much 
about enjoying something or, or appreciating something or taking delight in something. It's actually more about giving for the benefit of another thing. And actually, it's interesting. The, word, the way we use love is often, often more about our own benefit. This is how um, Dallas Willard describes love. This is sort of just a basic summary. It says, what exactly is love, like in the biblical sense? It is, to will, it is the will to good. Or another word is benevolence. Benevolence means well-wishing. We love something or someone when we promote its good for its own sake. So when we talk about love in the Bible, it's, it's mostly about giving its, its action. It's still emotion, but a lot of it's action and will for the sake of another person, for their benefit. So when I say I love potatoes, the potatoes are not being, they don't get any benefit from my love at all. Like I put them in the oven and burn them at 200 degrees and then I eat them. Like, like I'm benefiting from that, not the potatoes. Like, like that's not biblical love. Like, but but in, a, in a marriage or in a friendship, when you love and you, and you give for the sake of another person, that's, that's more what this word is, is meaning. Not so much just appreciating or enjoying, but actually active promoting the good of someone or something else. And, and in some ways, by definition, is sacrificial. Because when you do that, it costs you something. It's about giving. It's about laying down of self for the sake of another. That, that's the type of love we're talking about. And, and within that type of love, that there is emotion and there is, there is desire and there is feeling. But, it, but it's primarily that, that giving for the sake of another. So this is what we're called to. And, and we're going to go through this passage that talks about this. And I'll give you a couple of reasons for, for why we're called to this, and, 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 and we'll go from there. So firstly, this is 1 John 4, verse 7. Dear friends, this is, this is John speaking to, to these Christians. This, this could even be translated, beloved, like dear friends. Like he's writing as someone who loves these people. Let us love one another. So again, this, this giving for each other's benefit. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God. And knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is mentioned twice in this passage, if you keep going up to verse 21, that God is love. He keeps going. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. He's saying, Let us love each other. Why? Because love, this kind of self-giving, sacrificial love, comes from God and is God, like is who God is. God is that, like God is love. And his first reason, he says, we love fundamentally, not just because it's right or because it's good or it's helpful, but we love because God is love. That actually the God we serve, the God we worship, is defined by that posture of goodwill toward the other. And this is so interesting, right? Because this kind of comes down into how do we think about God? Because what we think about God is so important. And and you might think different things about God. Some people might think of God as fundamentally angry or or as just absent or distant or just like a force or just like an idea or, or a theory. But this idea of God as love sees that he's a person. But interestingly, that he's not alone, because if God was alone for all eternity, he would have no one to love. He would need to create to love. And then he wouldn't fundamentally be love. There's this quote um, by this guy named Michael Reeves who describes this idea that, that God is love because of the, the Christian idea of the Father, Son, and Spirit, that God is a community. 
He's not an isolated being, but, a, but he's one, but he's in a community of love for all eternity. He says this way, Now God could not be love if there were nobody to love. If God's just been alone forever, he could not be love. He could not be a father without a child. And yet it's not as if God created so that he could love someone. It's not that, that God wanted to love, so he made people to love. He is love and does not need to create in order to be who he is. If he is, what a needy, lonely thing he would be. Poor old God would say, if he created us in order to be who he is, we would be giving him life. Like if he fundamentally is love and he's alone, then he needs us in order to demonstrate who he is. And then in some ways he's dependent on us. This is sort of this argument. But then he says this, the biblical idea, no, this is not biblical. Father, Jesus calls God Father. The son in John 17, 24 says this, You loved me before the creation of the world. The eternal son, it is he who is loved by the father before the creation of the world. The father then is the father of the eternal son and he finds his very identity, his fatherhood, in loving and giving out his life and being to the son. If I lost you there, it's a little bit like theological and kind of wordy, but let me summarize it. The basic idea is that the God we believe in, the God we picture is so important, and the God the Bible talks about is not an isolated force or being, but he's a person, and he's a community, and he is a father, and he, the father has been com- continually giving life to the son for all eternity, and the Son has been receiving love and life from the Father for all eternity, and the Spirit has been at work in that. People call it the divine dance, and this is who God is, that God has been continually pouring himself out within this this being of love forever. And then from that place, he creates as an overflow of who he is as love. That actually, when we think about God, we may not often think that, that he's Father, Son, and Spirit, three in one, but that, that is so fundamental to our, to our picture of him. is so important that he is love. And this idea is that if that's who God is, if that is like ultimate reality, like if that is the thing that has been there for eternity, that's like the baseline, God is eternal, he has been there, a community of love, then this is central to everything. That, that, that at the center of the universe of reality is a being of perfect love. And then John's point is that if we know him, then we can't help but be like him. This idea is that if, if that is so true to who God is, to know God means to reflect some of that love. And if there's, if there's no evidence of a life of love, there's a good chance that, that there's not a relationship with this God. And, and the idea is that his love is so influential, it changes you. I don't know if you, 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 you've experienced this. You probably have that. that people you hang around influence you and, and change you. Um, the, the, the friends you hang around, the, the, the family you hang around, um, there's people you spend a lot of time with. You often like pick up maybe their mannerisms or ways of talking or their values. Tam and I had this the other day because Tam asked me to go for a run with her. And, and Tam doesn't like running. And I was like, this is awesome. And I said... You'll be coming like me. Like, you're coming for a run. And then, and, and we've been watching a lot of tennis. And she said, Well, you'll be coming like me. You like the tennis. Like, and it's like, Oh, cool. Like, like, you rub off on each other. Like, you influence each other as you spend time together. And, that, and that's like a small example. What, what John's saying is like, if we know God and, and, and the core of who he is is love, then, then that will influence us. That will shape us. That will change us. And, and, and as we get to know him more, 
that love will shape our hearts to be more and more people of love. And at the same time, we're called to be people who reflect Him. So if that's who He is, it's fundamentally important that we love out of, out of the overflow of the love He has for us. So firstly, we love because He is love. That's who God is. But John keeps going and gives another reason. He said, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So he's saying God loved us, but not, again, not just in an emotional feeling or a disposition, but in an action. And the action by which God has shown His love is by sending His Son. The Son we just talked about, that He's been loving for all eternity. God sends Him to earth as a sacrifice for our sins. Then John says, Dear friends, again, beloved, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And his point is not just that we love because God is love, but we love because God has actually actively loved us. God, God has sacrificed and given for us in the most greatest way imaginable. Um, there's verses that, that talk about this, that, that God's love for us is not because we loved him. It's not because we honored him. It's not because we did the right thing. It's not because we deserve it. In fact, we deserve the opposite. We, we have ignored him. We have forgotten him. We have not loved when, when we're called to live in this perfect relationship of love with him and others. But if we're honest with ourselves, we often are just thinking about ourselves. And instead of sacrificing for others, we might almost sacrifice others for our desires and end up hurting people. And this is what the Bible talks about as sin, as, as missing the mark. But God, to us, in that place, gives his son. Romans 5 talks about this. This is a beautiful verse. It says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When I, when I was getting just like serious about God after I left high school like that, that last bit of that verse just hit me really hard that that's how God has demonstrated his love. That some other verses say, well, we were his enemies. Christ died for us. Like he sent his most prized possession. And again, we, we kind of just talk about this. We're so used to it, but he sent him to earth and then he sent him to the cross to be crucified, like brutally executed, bearing our sin and evil so that we could have life. Like, that's how this God has demonstrated his love. Like, there's no greater demonstration. And, and in, in, in doing that, he's not just demonstrated, but he's saved us and sacrificed for our good so that we can have life and relationship with him. That's who he is. That's what he's like. He's demonstrated this amazing love. And John's point is, if that's what God has done for us, that's what we are to do for each other. He says this in a couple of other places. He says this in 1 John 3.16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And you read that verse, like that's intense. Like this is not just we need to have nice feelings for each other. Or we need to sort of say excuse me when you're walking past someone. Like, like this is like lay down our lives for each other. Like, like that's, that's the call. That's, that's, that's God's, what he's leading us to and, and, and inviting us to. That's what he's like, that he would lay down his son for us. And then he calls us to lay down our lives for each other. 
This is also, Jesus mentions this in John 15. This is Jesus speaking to his, his disciples. He said, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no end than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. The ultimate act of love is to actually give of our own lives for the benefit of each other. It's this, this self-sacrificial giving. The ultimate example is to fully, basically die for the sake of another. And, and, and this, is, this is like, if, if that's where everything's heading to, the, the smaller examples of, of loving each other and sacrificing for each other uh, 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 sp- should, should be, make perfect sense. Like, like it's, it's, this, if, if God has loved us, that's how we are to love each other. There's a few um, things we can learn from this that, that are really, really interesting and, and key. Because often um, what, what happens, and, and I'm sure we probably all do it, is, is maybe in a relationship uh, with a friend or, or someone, there's, there's someone that, that maybe things are not too well with or not too good with, or they may be the hard person to love. And the, the thing we say is, well, I'll love them if they love me. Or, or I'll forgive them if they forgive me. I'll talk to them if they talk. And then we kind of get stuck in this thing of like, well, if, if they do the right thing and if they do better and if they, if they get their act together, then I'll love them. And our love ends up being dependent on each other and it, and it gets stuck and, and it often doesn't work. But this is interesting, right? Because this is saying that God doesn't love us because we deserve it. God loves us because he is love. And the son gives his self for us because he's loved by the Father and he loves us. You see, it's not this kind of like relationship that's stuck. It's this like one way thing of passing on the love. It's that God loves us and therefore we love each other. The love is actually not to be dependent on the person receiving it. It's actually the, the source of it is not them. The source of it is God and it flows down. It's the Father gives love to the Son. The Son gives love to us and we receive it and we pass it on. And it's this like chain that continues. And therefore, what it means is that we are to love people even when they don't deserve it, even when it's difficult, even when it's hard. And, and there's, there's like, we could talk about that for, for a long time. There's, there's nuance around that. This doesn't mean that, that we just let people abuse us or walk all over us. It doesn't mean that we don't have a choice that this is actually a free choice. It's not, it's not being manipulated to love people. It actually requires us to be strong people who can actually choose to do this. It doesn't mean we just give up our will. It actually requires a strong will, but then an ability to lay ourselves down from a place of free choice and love. But, but interestingly, it's, it, it's actually that we love because he loved, not because people are deserving or worthy. And in the same way, as he, he, the way that he loved us cost him greatly. And in many ways, if we are going to be people who love in a world that's broken, it's going to cost us. It, it's going to involve pain. It, it's going to involve suffering. It actually is going to look like Jesus. And Jesus says, take up a cross and follow him. And, and, and that's actually the way to live a life of love, self-sacrificing, giving for the other in a broken world. And actually, that, that's what he calls us to, to be people who love like that. Not people who seek to control or seek people who seek to protect, but actually people who realize, actually, we can't control other people. We, 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 we lay down that lie. We let go of it. We decide we can control ourselves, and we've been loved, so we love, regardless of the response. But again, that's a, that's a high call. This is like... 
John is calling us to high things. But as we sort of overstand it, he says, we love because God is love. Fundamental reality, the person at the center of everything is this community of love. And he has loved us, sending his one and only son to the cross to save us, his enemies. If that's how he loves us, we are to love each other. But interestingly, the, the next verse even gets crazier in some ways and, and, and is not what we would think John would say, but he goes kind of to the next level. This is what he says. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Yeah, that's a verse to, easy just to read over, but not think about the significance of what he's saying. He's saying no, no one naturally knows what God looks like. No one's seen God. When people have seen God in the Bible, they're, they're, it's, like a, it's like God's glory or an angel of the Lord or, or something like that. People have not seen God. But it's interesting, like that phrase, no one has ever seen God, appears. John writes it in another place. He writes it in um, 1 John at the start of his Gospel of John. He says this, no one has ever seen God. It's the same phrase. But the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. His point is that nobody has seen God, but Jesus comes, and Jesus knows God, and is God. He is in closest relationship with the Father, and he has made the Father known. So it's not like, some people might think, well, there's the Father, and then there's Jesus, and they're kind of different. It's it's that the Jesus represents what the Father is like. When we see Jesus... We see the Father. We, we know what God's like. We know what his heart is like. But what, what John is saying is that, like, that's true with Jesus, right? Like, when we've seen him, so his, his point is, what he's saying is this, if we love, it's like he's given us two reasons, but then now he's giving us a result. If we love, God's love is made complete in us. But, but this is this idea that actually God's love is not just that, that we are just to receive it and feel good and have, have good things. But God's desire is, is in this verse. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. The contrast is no one has seen God, but if, if we live in love by, through God living in us and us loving each other, people see God through us. In the same way that Jesus revealed God, the Father, us as a community of love are to reveal the Father. That actually God's heart and his desire is not that our, his love is just a, a, a thing that we keep to ourselves, but actually in giving it out to each other, it is completed among us in the sense of God's, God's plan is that all the earth would know who he is and, and what he's like. And, and Jesus gives us, he sends the church to complete his mission on the earth. What Jesus started, we are to continue. And again, this is not at all earning God's love or, or anything like that. It's that he has a purpose in us to reveal his love to the world. There's actually a call on us. There's, there's a weight to that. This is how a couple of commentators describe it. This is John Stott. He says, That is the unseen God who once revealed himself in his son, now reveals himself in his people, if and when they love one another. God's love is seen in their love because their love is his love imparted to them by the Spirit. This idea that we are actually to be representing Jesus on the earth, that people are actually to look at us and recognize what God's like. We're actually to be Jesus' body is what the New Testament talks about. This is the idea that Jesus started a work and we are are to continue and spread it by the power of the Spirit 
to all the earth. Wright describes it like this, what God launched decisively in Jesus, he wants to complete in and through us. As Jesus unveiled God before a surprised and unready world, so must we. Love is that important. So it's not just that, that we love because it's, 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 it's good. That we're not just that we love because God loves us, but actually that there's a purpose and a result. That if and when we love each other, it actually reveals God. It reveals God to each other, and it reveals God to the community and to the world. That there's, there's a call. And, and loving each other is an important part of that call. So to summarize, we are loved because, because God is love. It starts with Him. He loved us, and therefore we love each other. And if we love each other, God's love is made complete in us, again, as a community of people who love each other and reflect Him to the world. And you might be, be listening to this today, right? And you might be thinking, well, that's great. Like, that sounds awesome, but how? <laughs> like... How do you do that? Like, that, that sounds crazy hard. And there's two real ways that we can go wrong with a message like this. And the, the first one is probably to just say that's impossible. Like, we can't do that. Like, I can't do that. Like, I, I, I can't lay down my life for people that I don't even like or that are hard or are difficult. Like, like... How do we become like that? Like, I can't do that at all. That's impossible. And we, and we just give up and we think there's no point. It's just too hard. Or we maybe even feel condemned by it. Another thing that we can do that, that's probably equally dangerous or, or bad is to say, all right, let's get to work. Like, I'm going to really love people this week. Like, I'm going to lay down my life for people this week. I'm going to try really hard. Like, I'm going to get and do the dishes after this. I'm going to be really kind to everyone at work. And it's probably going to last like five minutes or like one day, and you'd probably become like the most annoying person. Like, like it won't work. Like, we're just like, let's just try really hard to love each other. Like, it, it's, it's just going to be too hard. Like, that, the type of love that we're talking about, that's, that's not possible to just effort, try hard. It's not going to work. So how do we do it? If God calls us to it, how is it possible? And it's interesting. John, as he's writing through chapter 4, the, the next couple of verses, there's a... There's a some verses that shed some light on this. This is 1 John four sixteen. He says, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Again, he says it again. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This, this language of living in, you might have heard it in a different way. The ESV translates it with this word, abide. God is love. Whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. And this is the fundamental point that he's making. Again, he's not saying, like, we need to reach the standard of loving each other. And, he, and he's not saying that we just need to try really hard to love each other. This is all focused on God. He's saying God is love. And God has loved us. And God's love is being made complete through us. Like, there is a call on us, but, it, but it's his work that he's doing. He's saying this starts with God God is at work in the midst of it. God is the one who will complete it. So what's our job? Our job is to abide in God. Our job is to be connected to Him, to rest in Him, to trust in Him. Abide in Him and His love. And realize we can't do it, but He can. He is love. He's loved us. And He is working to make His love complete through us by His Spirit. He can do it. 
in and through us. Our job is to abide in Him and His love. Again, this, this doesn't mean that we don't do anything. We, we can't do it, we, we, but we need Him. But it still requires a choice. It still requires a decision. But it's impossible without Him. And the fundamental decision is to trust and rest in Him. This is how Jesus puts it in John 15. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That we cannot do this, but Jesus can. The Spirit can. He, he, he's alive. And this is his desire and his heart that he would have a people of love for God and love for each other. And, and it's not in our own effort and striving, but by His power and His Spirit. Again, still requires us to make a decision that we're going to abide in Him. It still will require us to make a decision to love each other. But again, that's only possible by His love and His power. And, and again, the point is, it's God. We, we think about Him, we dwell on Him, we rest in Him. And as we live a life that's centered on Him, we slowly over time become people who are more like him, who can reflect his love. And we probably fail every day. And we come back and we ask forgiveness. We realize we need him even more. But over time, over a lifetime, we would slowly grow to become more and more people who love and people who look like Jesus. This is his call on us because of who he is, what he's done, and what he wants to do in and through us. So we're going to respond to, to this message tonight um, by taking communion. And again, I think this is just an, an awesome time to, to posture our hearts, because it's so easy, right, to posture our hearts just and think, either we've got to do it and we can't, or we've got to do it and we can. And the center of that is us. But the point of this is, this, we can't, but He can. The center is Him. And the thing to do is to come back and center our gaze and our trust and our hope and rest our whole weight in Him and just stay in that place. And, and maybe as a part of that tonight, when you take communion, it's a time just to kind of reset that, is, is to recognize, wow, this is who God is, that he has loved me. We take the biscuit and, the, and, the, and, the, and we dip it in the juice representing his blood, that he has given his life. Like, this is what God is like. And this is what I'm called to be like. This is how we're called to love each other. Wow, I need you. I need your presence, your power, your spirit. And maybe there's time to, to um, confess or to, to ask forgiveness or just to turn back to that posture. Well, we need you, God. We need you to fill our heart with your love. We need you to fill our community with your love. We need other people who don't know you to see you through us and our love for each other. This is really important. Like this is, this is like the story of the world. This is like what God is doing in the earth. Like this is weighty and important. And, and he's given his son for this. And we come as we take communion and, and just centre back on that. And maybe part of that as well, something I've found really challenging and helpful recently, is that, that when it's really hard to love someone, sometimes what is happening is that what we want is to be able to control them. It, it, it's easier sometimes to try and control people rather than to let them go and realise we can't control anybody. Like God just lets us go. He doesn't try and control us. Like He actually gives freedom. He gives freedom to choose and freedom to respond, but then he loves us. And in some ways it's hard because we think, well, we can control people. We can protect ourselves. We can, we can sort of arrange the things. But the truth is that's a lie. We, we can't. And, and in some ways, one step in order to be able to love each other is actually to, to, in a sense, repent, which means like change your mind 
or turn away from the lie that we can control other people. It's like we cannot control other people and we have to release them. And we have to realize that actually by, by God's power and spirit, we can control ourselves and then choose to lay ourselves down. You see the, the, the progression? When you're trying to control someone else, you have no control of yourself. You have to let that go and say, I can control myself. And from a place of self-control, I can choose to love. All empowered by God and the Spirit. And maybe, maybe there's a need tonight even to do that and just say, God, I just let go of that lie that I can control other people. That, that I want to love them. And if, if I love them, they might hurt me. And that's going to be hard. But that's the way that you went. And that's the way that you call us to go. And we need your power and your spirit and your grace to do that. So, so I'm going to pray and then I just invite you as, as you're ready, as you have just have some time, feel free to come and take communion. We just dip the, the biscuit in the juice. Um, there's offering bags if you'd like to give there. And then we'll sing um, to finish the night and have dinner together as well. So let's, let's pray and, and ask God to do this and meet us here. Father, you, you are a father. You... At the, the center of everything is, is a God of love who pours out love and life to his son and you, you, you receive it, Jesus, and you, and you give it back and you share it with us and, and spirit, you're full of love and life. And we just ask God, would you open our eyes to that, that reality, that that's true, Jesus, that, that you came to reveal that and demonstrate it and we believe you and trust you and, and believe that that's what you are like, God, that's what you are like, Jesus. And you've shown it in the cross and you've defeated death and you're alive. And we just ask that the reality of the way you've demonstrated your love would just pierce our hearts tonight afresh. Would you just show and reveal the greatness of your love in the cross uh, for sinners, for your enemies, for the people who were crucifying you, Jesus. You said, Father, forgive them, that you are so full of love and self-giving and grace and mercy. And Lord, we ask that, that the, the thing that you want to do through us in the earth, God, that you want to reveal your love to the world through us, the community of love, will we be a people of love um, by the power of your Spirit? And we just say that is impossible without you. So would you meet us here tonight, God? Would you fill us afresh? Um, would you reveal yourself to us? So Holy Spirit, we just say, come, have your way, do what you want in our midst tonight.